0: Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. Welcome to the Vegas Gang podcast for August 18th, 2011. The Vegas Gang is a roundtable discussion show for issues related to casinos in Las Vegas, Macau, and the rest of the world. This is by far the smartest podcast on the internet. <laughs> um, let me go around the virtual table and introduce the guys. Uh, Mr. Jeff Simpson, author of the insightful Simpson on Vegas column on Two Way Hard 3. Uh, welcome, Jeff. Hey, Hunter. Mr. Chuck Monster, editor-in-chief at VegasTripping.com. What's happening, Chuck? Aloha. <laughs> Aloha to you. And uh, Dr. David Schwartz, the director of UNLV's Center for Gaming Research. Hey, Dave. Hey, now. I am Hunter Hillegas, and you can find me at ratevegas.com. We got some big stories this time around. uh, But before we do that, a quick uh, reminder announcement that the Vegas Internet Mafia family picnic is going to be October 22nd. And the location is uh, to be announced, we think, very, very soon. We were just discussing our top secret plans moments before the show began. And we're looking forward to being able to share them with you as soon as we can. As you might imagine, there's a lot of people that have to be involved in uh, getting an event like this organized. And that takes a little bit of time. So everyone is working as fast as they can. And we're looking forward to bringing those details out very, very soon. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I know Chuck's been working really hard on it. Uh, it. It it looks like it's going to be a good time. So um, definitely mark that on your calendar, and, uh, and we'll have all the rest of the details coming up soon. Anything I'm missing there, Chuck? Uh,
1: no, I think we're just going to have a great time. We hope everybody can come. Our local friends and our tourist friends and those here, there, and everywhere else. It's going to be a a fun spot to get all of us weirdos together and, you know, talk in person. Just hang out and uh, enjoy the entertainment that we got planned, which
0: is going to be a riot, laugh riot, screaming laugh riot. Absolutely. Um, Great. Well, let's get started and talk about some topics. Uh, I think we're going to start with uh, what I think is the biggest news Uh, Recently, which is Caesars Entertainment introduced uh, or um, filled us in on some more of the details of Project Link. Uh, The Link, I guess, is what they're calling it. Um, So Link, The Link, is uh, (laughs) a uh, retail and dining and entertainment district that they're building out of a trash alley. Um, between uh, the Flamingo and O'Shea's slash Imperial Palace. Uh, They've been talking about it for a while, but this week they really unveiled the plans in detail. And previous to their press conference on Wednesday, which Dave attended, Chuck, you had posted um, some details ahead of that based on your sources. Um, And I believe you were the first person to... Uh, really get the idea out there how dramatic of a change Link is going to be to the buildings that are there. And not Flamingos a little bit, but really Imperial Palace and O'Shea's will be significantly impacted by these changes. So I guess I'm going to start with Dave since he went to the press conference. Um, can you give us the bullet point version of exactly what they're trying to do with Link?
2: Yes. Um, before, though, I've got a question for anybody out there in the Caesars uh social media world i'd like to find out who is the big steely dan fan uh in the caesar's brass because when we were when we were waiting for that to start they were playing lots of uh, steely dan for some reason over that sound system but seriously basically what link is going to be it's going to be a 200,000 square foot shopping promenade, as best I can figure, that's going to be mostly restaurants and bars. I know online a lot of people have been talking about what's the retail going to be, how's the retail going to be different. It's going to be 70% restaurants and bars, so mostly that. According to them, they already have a lot of tenants lined up. The The important thing here is that Caruso Affiliated is doing all the leasing is going to actually manage it, not Caesars. So they are talking to a lot of folks. They said one of their concerns was not that they wouldn't be able to lease out the space, but they'd have too many tenants and they wouldn't have enough space for all the tenants who want to be a part of it. They're really looking at this as something to do in that space that's going to bring people there that's not going to be more slot machines or more hotel rooms. And they say that their studies say that each year about 20 million people walk past that spot. So they think that they can basically pulled in the same numbers as the Grove in L.A., which draws 18 million people to to there um, just by having it right there in that space.
0: Yeah. So uh, if I'm correct, they're targeting a 2013 opening, and it's about a $550 million expenditure, which they're saying is fully funded?
2: Yeah. They were very vociferous. That it was fully funded. Uh, June 2013 is when they say it's going to open. So they, they were pretty firm about those dates. Now... I was asking Rick Mazur, who's the president of all the casinos there, um, all the Caesars casinos there, about a timeline, and he says they still don't have a timeline. So if you're wondering, you know, when exactly is O'Shea's going to close, the closest he could give me is probably sometime late second quarter, 2012, early third quarter. That was the closest he could get. But they don't have a timeline yet of when this parking area is going to close, and, you know, when this is going to open and how all that's going to go. You know, he did say that they've already begun what's happening in the back of the house, and a lot of the stuff is going to be happening in the back of the house, and we won't see it.
0: Right. Now, Chuck, you you wrote this piece about the changes that uh, we're going to see at Imperial Palace and O'Shea's, and you were uh, vindicated when the plans were released that they are significant. Can you uh, kind of give us the rundown on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, well, this... As I after I looked at the plans, like I looked at this thing as possibly the first step of the Harris America project from five or so years ago, that was going to completely uh, connect the north chunk of Harris Empire, which is Harris Imperial Palace, O'Shea's Flamingo, and uh, Bills now and it seems like to some degree this is kind of what's going to happen they're starting right here in the middle this this thing is going to be built in that alleyway they're going to knock down uh, the o'shea's parking garages they're going to knock down eventually uh, o'shea's itself the first box in the uh, imperial palace uh, where the rock houses and the other stuff that's upstairs and the portico share and probably the casino, which I'm guessing just from looking at the plans from the front door of the casino till about like where it widens out at the uh, at the end of the casino cage. Mm-hmm. All of this stuff, which is where like the elevator, there's like the elevator cores are there and the Fat Tuesdays on the opposite side. Uh, all that stuff forward is going to get completely, completely and totally renovated uh, new front desk, new public areas, and there's going to be a walkway, which is going to go through kind of where the food court at O'Shea's is now. Uh, it's going to cut through the hole there into where the portico share is at Imperial Palace, right into the carnival court. And now there's like a little area there, uh, right next to Carnival Court, which is going to be the new Porta share And the only way you're going to be able to enter Imperial Palace is through uh, Audrey and points east. So the 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 good luck if it's raining getting into uh, Imperial Palace because that whole thing is flood control right there. Right. So, um, and it looks from the renderings that, uh, and from what Dave has mentioned and other people who've uh, who've uh, discuss the, the conference is that Imperial palace's hotel towers are going to be, uh, majorly renovated as well. And looking at the top, like all of the, uh, the, uh, Japanese roofing is going to be taken down. Um, they're going to thoroughly renovate the interiors. I guess they feel that the bones of the building is, is good enough to, uh, you know, give it another 10 or 15 years of, of work.
0: But the palace will no longer be imperial <laughs> in not just in, uh, in its look, but also in its name. Exactly. Yeah, if
2: I if I could hop in here for one second just to clarify what, what Rick Mazur told me, and some of this is going to be my Vegas 7 piece, but basically there's some of this they're going to do in stages right now. They're not going to be upgrading the rooms anymore. He did talk about how they upgraded a lot of stuff out of the rooms, including apparently some rooms actually had carpet in the bathroom. And he said they ripped all that out. He was very proud about taking out the wood countertops from a lot of the old bathrooms and putting in marble. But he said, you know, eventually they would redo those rooms more. But right now in this phase, it's more the casino areas, the public areas. You know, the way he said it it sounded to me like the entire casino was going to be renovated.
0: Yeah. So, so Jeff... um as we mentioned, yeah, they're, they're not going to be using the Imperial Palace name anymore. They don't own it. They've been licensing it since they purchased the property. Uh, there's been speculation that maybe they'll use the horseshoe brand for this property. Do, do you think that, uh, that that could happen?
3: I think it's a possibility. I mean, they own a lot of brand names. Um, so it, it, it's, it's a possibility. If they're not going to immediately um, refresh the room product. I would actually be surprised if they stuck the horseshoe name without some kind of um, at least, you know, sort of bringing all the rooms up to speed. Horseshoe um, is, I mean, in some markets it's it's not as good as Harrah's, but they're using that. They they spent a lot of money to buy uh, Jack Binion's Horseshoe Gaming, um, and um, like they're in their in their big two casinos in Ohio, they're putting horseshoes in. Cincinnati and Cleveland, so um, I would be surprised if, if they don't at least do you know, those rooms to, they, they, they need to do at least something to make it um, you know, horseshoe quality I would, I would think um, but you know, I mean, maybe they'll say well, we're going to do that two years three years down the road once they, once this they starts throwing off the increased cash flow I'm sure they expect One, a couple of the things that I think are pretty um, interesting Imperial Palace has one of the um, craziest, strangest um, strip frontages in Las Vegas. That sort of separation from its, you know, I hate to even call it a portico share, but that sort of like cave U shaped thing, you know, um, from a weird turn in down to, you know, to the alley, um, you know, um, that is like, you know, one of the nuttiest things. Then you have that. Strip front bar um, yeah. that you know people walk through, and then down a little, and then into the front doors of the the casino rectangle. Down even more, down you know, down into sort of like a sunken pit Yeah. Um, <clears> the <throat> casino. It's a it's a crazy um, you know uh, entry into that casino. So that's something that's long been needed. Um, you know i i think the imperial palace uh, you know that that was created in an era um when a lot of um americans still had um very uh um, you know sort of negative views of you know our recent world war 2 um opponents and you know the red chinese and you know asia was just you know we 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 sort of were um an ignorant nation man and so a lot of the sort of design elements are just sort of you know blunt Um, a lot of you know sort of stupid kind of punny names on things you know that really reflect the sort of less informed american consumer public Um, you know chuck did a great review on his on vegas tripping of of a uh, visit to um, imperial palace and i think that the property Really has served um, a purpose for people who want to come and enjoy a you know a bargain a bargain trip um, you know sort of they have their needs met in a rudimentary way, um, but that you know I think that you know some of the elements that have not been um, you know maybe taken care of um, in terms of like you know full having all the elevators fully in service, having everything working in tip top shape some of those things. Um, you know obviously need improvement um, I think the theme if you 're going to do an Asian theme now, it needs to be a more sophisticated one, sort of like Caesar's is doing with no Boo, presumably, or you know, and I think there is a, there is space in the marketplace for something like that. Um, Harris is obviously not going to invest enough, and the kind of clientele they're expecting probably isn 't the kind that would um appreciate that so it probably does make sense to strip out the old theme make the front much more sensible do something do something pretty cool with with it and uh you know they can they can probably make their money go a long way fixing up the common areas and the casino and the and the front and the skin of the property and making the property sort of like an um easy access way for the Harris people the carnival court people to get through over to the project link. I mean all of these properties presumably instead of just having front ingress and egress there's going to be a lot of side ingress and egress presumably all the way down from the north end um, at Harris, all the way down to uh, to the Flamingo and I think that's a real plus because some of those properties are very um, they run a long way from east to west you know, if you've ever parked in the Harris parking garage or the the back of the Imperial Palace parking garage, it's a very long hike to get. You know, it's not MGM Grand you know length, but it's a long hike. And so, by allowing people to cut through the properties, which presumably they will do, um, I think it will it will uh, encourage. Um, a lot of visitation to uh, the link amenities.
2: So, yeah, I, go, one go of ahead. the things one of the things I asked Rick Mazur about was what the price point was going to be for this new whatever it is, whatever palace that's going to be there, and the whatever <laughs> He was pretty careful about saying, "Well, we are not going to totally." Go over the top, you know, it's going to be probably at about the level of Harris and Flamingo. It is not gonna be a luxury property, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, but it will be a solid property. And I was trying to pester him about price points, but I imagine it would track right along with Harris and Flamingo. So it's I don't think it's gonna be the total bargain option that it is now. Um that's pretty much what he gave me, without giving me too many specifics.
0: So one
3: of the one of the things that's sort of interesting um when um, Harris was um, considering this, you know, m- massive redo of that block. And you got to remember, they spent hundreds of millions of dollars buying all of the property between Las Vegas Boulevard, um, south of Casino Royale, all the way across to Coval, um, all the way behind, even behind Planet Hollywood, and now they've bought Planet Hollywood. So they pretty much own. Um, except for that, you know, that one corner at the uh, uh, um, next to Planet Hollywood where they're building the big drugstore and retail thing. But they have like that huge, huge stretch. You know, they acquired bills or, you know, what was in the Barbary Coast. So they spent all this money. Um, and at the time, they did plan to implode Imperial Palace, um, you know, dramatically um, redo or maybe even implode Hera's. Um, you know, they certainly would have gotten rid of, um, of, of Shays um, and, 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 kept, and, and probably one of the two towers at Bally's. Um, so they had, they had massive, massive investment planned, um, maybe that would have even equaled um, City Center's investment. This is before they decided to do the private equity takeover. Um, and that change, um, with the massive debt they incurred, not the recession, this is pre-recession, um, you know, prevented them from implementing the plans because one of the things that they needed to be able to service that debt um, was the, the $100 million in annual cash flow that Imperial Palace threw off. And this is a number I got from uh, two separate, very informed casino executives who, was, um, who were in different negotiations with Harris for various reasons. Um, and um, so I, I, I trust those numbers and that is you know there, there aren't many casinos now that they're off a hundred million dollars now that the recession has taken hold and room rates dropped um, so they you know that that property makes money I mean it obviously makes a lot less now that room rates have dropped you know 30 percent from where they were at their peak in 2006 and 7 but that, you know, by, by doing what Dave said, making it a little nicer um, in terms of the rooms, um, if they can get it up to um, Harrah's and, uh, and Flamingo quality, if the market, you know, continues slowly climbing back, um, you know, that, and, and they can make the casino more exciting and more appealing, you know, they may, maybe they can get back to where, you know, what it was doing before. Um, so, you know, I, I, I love this project. I think it's a great idea. Um, you know, I've said before, I want free attractions on the strip. I think that those days are probably done. Unfortunately, I just can't see who would actually do it. This is not going to be a free attraction, but it's still going to be a good attraction. Um, and it will excite people. Um, you know, there, there are some, some vulnerabilities. Um, you know, the heat in, in the middle of summer, maybe a, maybe a problem. Um, the view from the observation wheel, the high roller, um, you know, you know, based on, you know, what I, what I see, I mean, maybe only, you know, 20 minutes of the 30 minute ride will you have like a view that allows you to see much. Um, But, you know, I think it seems pretty cool. I like the idea you can rent a whole car and have like a, you know, a little brief party in there, you know, some big high roller could rent it out for himself and, you know, one other person. So there's some cool things. There are some question marks, but the fact that they have the money ready, I think that that is really probably got to figure a stake through the heart of the South Strip, um, you know, uh, the across from Mandalay Bay project. They have not raised the money yet, and you got to think that, you know, if Harris can get started on this, already having the money makes it pretty tough for them down there, where they would have a wheel that would have probably a better view but not a great location for foot traffic so each each site had its own advantages and disadvantages um should be uh should be a win for caesars and a loss for uh howard bullock down at his south strip site too bad howard
0: so so chuck (laughs) um do you think caesars is going to be able to pull this off
1: uh, I yeah I think so I don't see why not I'm I'm optimistic on this I think if they've got the money in the bank and they obviously have their plan together and uh, some kind of like the only thing I see stopping it would be a severe economic downturn like a major like a depression like if this thing if the bottom completely falls out of everything I think they're you know it's it's a very pragmatic. Uh, way for them to pump some life and do a little refreshing Mm -hmm. in the middle of their junk. And it also opens up the possibility uh, of, you know, connecting their junk to more of their junk and building more junk behind it and around it. Right. If you look at the other plots... Uh, you know, like the Venetian plot and the wind plot, everything goes all the way back to Koval, you know, Paradise. They go all the way back. So, uh, you know, they're taking advantage of property that they have and they're building in some things that I think are going to make uh, good, sensible money for them.
0: I think there are a bunch of interesting things about this. I mean, we're seeing it's a a relatively significant project um, that I would argue is... Probably more more aimed at pleasing and um, <clears throat> entertaining the people that are already coming to Las Vegas. This isn't going to bring new people to town, which was you know the stated goal of projects like City Center was to was to bring a, a different kind of customer to Las Vegas. I have a hard time imagining that someone would come to Vegas just to see Link. But for people that come to Vegas, you know, one time a year, once every other year, this is a good reason to come back to try something new. Uh, especially if you haven't wa- wandered into Imperial Palace uh, for a few years, um, it's a great it's a great reason to uh, to head back over there, which I think is interesting. I think it is a very a very interesting contrast with what MGM did at City Center, as far as is this if this is the sort of the opening shot in Hera's – I keep saying Hera Caesar's redevelopment plans. Um, you know, they're they're going to take a very different approach and. Uh, it um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that serves them versus what MGM did at City Center. A,
3: a couple, a couple other things. One, um, the if if, and obviously this is a big question mark because it doesn't seem like they're going to throw all the money in themselves if they don't get the support from uh, the voters or the politicians or the courts. Um, but if they can. Um, get that arena built, and particularly if Las Vegas can get a professional sports team, but even with the kind of events that um, a Las Vegas arena would have now, um, undoubtedly National Finals Rodeo, um, big concerts, big, big boxing matches, those kind of things, um, there's a, nat- you pre- would presume that there would be a natural spill-out effect in the link. Um, that's, those kind of things have been pretty successful. In other cities, Denver and others, where, um, you know, you have sort of a vibrant nightlife area. I mean, the strip already has vibrant nightlife, so we shouldn't overstate the uh, impact of this compared to, you know, some formerly pretty moribund cities. But, but um, I think it would probably be a, a real positive for the synergy of this project and for uh, Caesars. Um, so that's one thing. The second thing is looking at, you know, it's sort of... You know, when Chuck called it their junk, and I presume he was just referring to their stuff, not (laughs) their actual junk. Um, But when you think about their portfolio of properties and where they are on the pecking order of um, Las Vegas resorts, um, if you wanted to call the bottom, you know, fourth or bottom, you know, know, 40% junk, they have a lot of those properties. Um, you know, that would be in the bottom, you know, toward the bottom of the pecking order. I mean, absolutely, um, Imperial Palace and Bally's would be, Um, you know, Flamingo and Herod is probably a little bit above that, but still not high quality. Um, And, uh, you know, and and Paris and Planet Hollywood, you know, solid middle-of-the-road casinos, bills, you know, I mean, I would say that's sort of junky right now. I mean, they've let it deteriorate since they... They acquired it. I mean, I know they do have supposedly boutique plans for that property, and we'll see what they do. But, but uh, you know, I think that that is sort of an important element um, to sort of keep those properties in a cash flow generating situation, not allow them to deteriorate so far down on the pecking order as really crappy places like the Sahara are closed, uh, moving their property is even closer to the absolute bottom. Um, so you know when you look at the other big operators, you know Wynn is in an enviable position because he only has you know one big combined property right at the top. Sands has um, you know is right up there as well uh, because they don't they don't have any crappy properties. You know MGM um, Resorts at least they do have a few. Um, challenged properties and then several, you know, right in the middle um, and, you know, a few right toward the top not at the top, but toward the top in Bellagio and Aria and then Mandalay Bay a little below that, um, but you know, you know, Caesars only has Caesars Palace that could arguably include be included in a top tier and even then it would probably be at the bottom of the top tier with the uh, Sands properties, so you know, the, um, Caesars needs to do something, um, or its properties are going to be seen as, you know, they'll be seen as sort of, you know, the casino slumlord. Um, yeah. You know, at least on yeah. that side of the strip. And so I think that it's important. Um, what what Chuck said, they can't let their properties be seen as junk in the 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 refuse sense of the word. <laughs> and um, so I think that I think it's an important. An important consideration that they're putting up some cool stuff around it by reflection and by connection and by actual investment, it will make those properties a little better.
0: Right. Okay. Well, I think we've sort of linked to death for right now. (laughs) Um, But we, you know, obviously uh, we're at the very beginning of this project. So I'm sure we'll have plenty more opportunities to uh, talk about it as it progresses and as it opens. And I'll just close out the link topic uh, by asking Jeff one more question. Um. real quickly you know you've been writing about how people can how operators can improve their strip properties and is this the kind of project that you would uh, prescribe for uh, an operator like Caesars?
3: Absolutely, I mean you know this is this is a uh, you know if, if things go right um, I think it's a home run for them um, spending you know some fairly decent chunk of that 500 um, and some million you would presume is going towards you know, strip frontage, making things look nicer, get, allowing people easy access. So, yes, this is a, uh, I, I see it as a potential home run for the company, home run for a lot of those properties that will connect in with Link. And a fun thing for people to, you know, so much emphasis when you, you know, you looked at, you know, hell even even Bill Boyd was trying to build a top-of-the-market property. I mean, what does that tell you about how sort of, you know, maybe uh crazed people were with the idea of luxury um only five or six years ago it seemed like you'd be an idiot to appeal to the mass market well the mass market is very important to las vegas and uh i think this is sort of a reflection that las vegas getting back to um part an important part of its roots and building the kind of stuff that um will appeal to the broad middle of the uh the american uh of the american tourist class
0: well i'm i'm looking forward to checking it out personally i think it's always fun to have a project that is significant enough to sort of change the flow of the strip and definitely the skyline so um i'm all for it it when they originally announced the plans way back when um it sounded a little underwhelming but seeing uh everything that they're doing i'm much more interested in it now than i was then so uh definitely I mean, originally
3: you were thinking, weren't you thinking it was going to be just in that alley? Yeah. Like they're going to have, you know, they're going to set up like some carnival (laughs) stuff on that alley to lead you back to a a Ferris wheel. I mean, this is much
0: grander. Right.
2: Yeah. if, If I can just share some of my final thoughts on this too. You know, I... I get excited when they talk about doing research and kind of doing this sensibly and appealing to the mid-market. What kind of turns me off is when they say, well, there's no place in Las Vegas for you to meet people right now, which just seems so totally nonsensical in the face of it. I can understand why they would say it, but don't expect me to believe it. So I think it's going to be good. I think a lot of it's going to depend on how it's executed. So a lot of the burden of this is going to fall on Caruso to execute it right. You know, I think it's got a lot of potential, but I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I never want to hear another developer, another casino company talk about a project being transformational. Hmm. Because we saw what happened with City Center, where Jim Merrin said, this will be transformational. This will lead Las Vegas to the next level. This will lead the recovery. And frankly, it hasn't happened.
0: So yeah, just transformed their <clears throat> their company into a uh, a, d- a dating machine. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Do we know when the shovels are hitting the pavement? Yes,
2: according to all the folks there, work would start in September. Some work has happened now. Got a very humorous little anecdote about how the how Link has already made its first impact on the flamingo because one of the trucks sheared off a light pole out in front of the strip, so just kind of being funny about that. But they've already started working back in the house. They're going to be doing a lot more in September. When they, They're they going to have some kind of official groundbreaking event at some point, and again, they haven't nailed this down yet. And when that happens, we're supposed to get a list of tenants, a partial list of tenants. The thing where they are right now, according to Rick Mazer, is that they don't have final design drawings yet. They're still doing that. Once they generate those, they're going to then start with the timelines and then we'll really get some more information. And a lot of the press conference was talking about the high roller, which to me is, you know, not to slight anybody working with it. To me, the way I look at it, that's kind of the least interesting part of it for me personally. No doubt. I I appreciate it as an attraction, but I'm more interested in what this is going to do to alter the way the strip flows and all that, which I think is a really interesting thing about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Um, I, you know, it, I will be looking forward to having the Vegas Internet Mafia Family Picnic 2013 edition in one of those pods, um, <laughs> high above the Imperial Not Palace. But um, we'll have to wait and see like on it. that one. It'd be, uh, it'd be very cozy, but uh, it'd be a good, great view. <laughs> All right, let's move on um, from Caesars, who are building something, to MGM, who are blowing something up. Um, the Harmon is uh, a component of city center that has been troubled since uh, midway through the construction process when it was discovered that some um, improperly installed rebar um, made the building structurally challenged. Um, and ultimately that resulted in first the building being halved in size and it had it did not open with the complex in December 2009. And um, it has not opened since. And recently, uh, after some, a set of reports um, from some uh, engineering firms, the the county had asked MGM to come up with some kind of a plan to deal with the Harmon um, as it was deemed structurally unsound. And uh, MGM announced their plan on Monday per the, uh, the county's um, deadline, and their plan is to uh, implode it, demolish it through implosion, I believe is what Mr. Feldman said. Um, so I think this is interesting on multiple levels. Uh, we have a brand new casino hotel, well, hotel as part of a casino project that is going to be imploded before it even opens. Um, And, you know, if you're being really cynical about it, it's probably not the first one of those, not the last one of those we're going to see, given the state of Fontainebleau and Echelon. Um, But uh, there's ongoing litigation with the builder, Perini, who basically their stance in a nutshell, I think, can be summed up as... Uh, you know we can fix this. MGM isn't letting us. They don't even want this project because they already have more than enough hotel rooms. MGM basically says no. You know it's it's never going to work. We just want to blow it up. You guys are responsible for screwing up. Um, that's a very simplified version, but I think that sort of captures the two sides. Um, so, man, I think this is this is going to be interesting. So, Chuck, you did a you did a little diagram of sort of. The different ways they could possibly do this. I mean, for those that aren't familiar, and I can't imagine there's anybody listening that isn't, but this building is right up on Las Vegas Boulevard in Harmon, directly across from the Constantinople, which has just recently opened. And we're going to talk about them in a little while. But um, it's not an easy spot. I mean, it abuts the Crystals, which is a, uh, you know, the brand new mall complex. It is... It looks like a tough gig, right? Now, the guys that do these implosions are real pros. And I've, they, there's this one company that pretty much does all of these things, controlled demolition, and I think they're the sub on this. And, you know, I've seen videos of them taking down buildings in the middle of a downtown area. They, they do a great job, but it's still a complicated gig. So based on the looking that you've done, Chuck, what do you think is the most likely scenario for them pulling this down?
1: Yeah, I think they're going to probably take off a lot of that glass and they're going to wreck that that building that's between the tower and crystals, and probably push this thing towards the Cosmopolitan parking entrance. So it'll fall. It's going to try and go down. I think straight down as much as they can. And then if it has to fall out, it'll go onto the uh, onto that rose that's in the uh, right. <laughs> the uh, the Porta there. Right. And it, some of it's going to spill out onto Harm. And that's my gut feeling. Other options seem to put, uh, I know Cosmopolitan's probably going to sue because they're not going to want to have their business interrupted by this and blah, 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 blah. This is going to be a four way, five way pylon of lawsuits to knock this building down unless they, you know, manually take out like five floors or 10 floors at the top and then blow the rest up. I don't know. It's, this thing's going to be a total freaking mess.
0: Well, I think no doubt, right? There's almost no, it's it's picking the best of some pretty bad options. Yeah. And uh, you know you can't blow it up into Las Vegas Boulevard. You can't blow it up on top of the Crystals. You can't blow it up over Harmon. Your only yeah. real choice, I think, is to slide it kind of back into that yeah. space that wasn't ever used, or launch it into space. That's a good <laughs> idea. Well, I, I mean, certainly they're going to try and make it go straight down into
3: itself. And if it has, like Chuck said, if it has to spill, there is that space. On Harmon, that sort of you know, um, it w- which would be better than the alternatives. Um, so, so they will certainly do it. I think that you know, it's not a sure thing. I mean, certainly MGM and the county. You know, I, I don't want to use the word conspiring together, but they certainly seem to be working pretty closely together um, to do this. Um, it really, re- it really serves. MGM's purpose. They do not need additional city center capacity, especially you know a, a partially built building that has um, already a lot of negative press and connotations associated with it. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's it's definitely not something you know. MGM, it, they don't want to add it. Um, but I think a court. Um, will and and maybe even um, a level or two of appeals will decide whether it should be imploded. Perini will fight it tooth and nail, um, but you know Perini is not, you know they do a lot of work here. Um, you know, Tudor Poli- Polini and you know uh, um, I think you know you got to think MGM is the, is the home team in Nevada and particularly in Las Vegas, and that they're going to probably get. You know, pretty good treatment by the court, so implosion probably is likely eventually, I doubt it's going to happen as soon as MGM would want it. If it does, that means the court system's in on the same, I'm not using the word conspiracy, but if it happens fast, (laughs) it's sort of crazy. Um, compared to the right. way most things would, would would
0: happen, I don't definitely don't want to use the word conspiracy, but I did. What you know, the timing I think is an interesting aspect of that because MGM in their proposal are saying that they wanted want to do what is an accelerated removal, um, which they say that can be done within six months. Uh, you know, like you said, Perini would obviously um, have a major problem with that. I mean that it. It's, you know, if (laughs) they're still fighting this lawsuit, so in in their eyes, you know, this is really, um, could really screw them. What what kind of time frame is realistic for something like this?
3: Well, I mean, it depends what the courts, I mean, if the courts totally roll over a couple levels up and, you know, screw Perini, I mean, it probably could happen in the timetable that, you know, close to what MGM wants. Um, you know, and you never know. I mean, you know, everybody could already have their, you know, everybody could already have their preconceived decision made, and I mean, you know, you hate to say that about courts, but um, you never know. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that you you guys mentioned that you know Cosmopolitan would sue, it wouldn't surprise me that you know MGM would just say, look, we're gonna you know rent all your south facing rooms, right? You know, for two days or the day before and the day after, and you know, um, you know, now that you'd say, "Oh, that's terrible! That'll hurt the, you know, Cosmopolitan's
0: casino business." But since <laughs> they don't have it, we're gonna talk about Yeah, we're gonna uh, talk about probably, uh, yeah, gonna yeah, talk I mean, Cosmo in a minute.
3: Well, they could but, well they could rent all the rooms out and then give them a hundred bucks to
0: cover their casino. Room <laughs> for that day. <laughs> well, so, I mean, so. you know, <laughs> the, <laughs> they'll probably. <laughs> When they, when they do the demo, you know, it'll probably be on a Tuesday at like 4.30 or like 2.30 in the morning. So, you know, it's not going to be um, at a time when there's a lot of at least typical traffic. Um, but, uh, you know, let's talk about that with Cosmo. And we're going to talk about Cosmo's numbers as our next topic. But Cosmo is, is new. Um, they're just sort of trying to find their sea legs. I mean, how big of an impact could this have on them? Uh, if, if they are forced, I mean, they have a pedestrian bridge that basically links their property to the front door of the Harmon, right? So <laughs> it's pretty much inconceivable that that won't be closed and maybe for an extended period of time. And, you know, in a really bad case scenario, somehow accidentally damaged, uh, which could close it even longer. Um, you know, how, how bad is this for them to have, uh, their next door neighbor coming down?
3: Well, that next-door neighbor is already dead. I mean, it's never been alive. So the, having the bridge there is nice. I, you know, I have a feeling that they'd figure a way to get, you know, pedestrian traffic through there pretty darn fast. Um, so I, I, I really don't think the impact on Cosmopolitan is that great, and I think that it can be ameliorated with money, um, you know, not too much. Um, you know, um, just you know, running the rooms for a couple of days, maybe dealing with some other you know lost revenue um, and figuring out a way to get that bridge operational as fast as possible you know MGM has every incentive to allow foot traffic right. down to uh down you know as well so you know they're going to be they're going to be cooperating and and you know this is this is MGM resorts not Las Vegas Sands i mean if it was Las Vegas Sands i mean you know god it would be there would be, you know, lawsuits from here to eternity, but um, I think MGM will be relatively cooperative. They want to get it down, and, you know, they have a bigger opponent in Perini than Cosmopolitan. I think Cosmopolitan will just want to make sure that they're made whole um, from any inconvenience and lost revenue that they would suffer. And, And MGM is reasonable. I mean, certainly they'd try and stick that on Perini's tab eventually, but you know, right. they they have no incentive to uh to uh you know make, you know the short change cosmopolitan um and so I don't think it will have much impact on cosmopolitan at all um, I think all the people who are speculating on your guys' sites about you know renting rooms
0: in the cosmopolitan to the, uh, <laughs> it's not gonna happen uh, that's me <laughs>
3: probably not gonna happen but but you know paris and Planet Hollywood, uh, you know, in, and, and and probably the tight, uh, higher floors on Mandarin. You know, there's yeah. probably some pretty cool places. I, You know, I've covered a lot of these late-night implosions. Yeah. And, uh, like, you know, when the El Rancho came down, people were, you know, renting out the, the cool suites at the Riviera to watch it. And, you know, that's happened, you know, again and again. People, you know, it, it is a fun thing. And, yeah. You know, it's sort of... Uh, you know, can create a pretty fun uh, you know fun setting for an event so
0: I, yeah I went I'm to sure the, people will do it I went to the frontier implosion and, and I, I got to go on the actual site and um, it was fun I would you know I uh, for anybody that has the opportunity to go to one of these I would definitely recommend it I mean it was a huge pain in the ass it was like two in the morning on like a Tuesday night or something but um, it was totally worth it it was it was really really cool and that wasn't even that tall of a building. Um, it was really cool to see it in person, and I, I don't regret it at all. And if if the Mandarin Bar people aren't having a special special late night uh, Harmon implosion party, they're absolutely insane because that would be the best place to watch it from. I think. Um, well,
3: one of the thi- oh, a story that I heard from before I came to Las Vegas in the late '90s when I, it was probably '96, '97 when they imploded the original hacienda to make way for Mandalay Bay. They had, like, a super VIP party of town muckety-mucks.
0: Wasn't it on, like, New Year's Eve?
3: In, and, and they put them up in, like, some tent. I, I don't know if it was across Las Vegas Boulevard. Probably not because the Hacienda was pretty far back off the Strip. So it's probably on that side of the Strip. But I, I guess the dust cloud was so broad, so fast-moving, and so thick that, like, all these, you know, like, super swell folks were just, like, inundated with dust and just, you know, like their tongues are caked and their eyes are dirty I guess it was just a whole, you know, for the media it was just a hilarious scene of all the muckety-mucks getting uh, covered in dust so that's another fun thing if you're done on-
0: <laughs> so, so, Dave um, has Las Vegas ever imploded a building that they haven't used and uh, will this be the last?
2: Not not that I'm aware of. I don't think they've ever imploded something that has never been used, and I kind of hope this isn't the last because of Fountain Blue lurking up there in the north, and it's becoming increasingly unlikely that that's going to ever be opened. So I think they'll have to demolish that one too.
0: Yeah, I agree. It uh, it doesn't look good for uh, for Fountain Blue. Um, in in a way, I you know. Obviously, MGM has a lot of reasons for wanting to do this, but I I uh, sort of appreciate their sort of wanting to kind of rip the Band-Aid off and just get it over with. Uh,
2: yeah, and I think also, you know, if you look at what their position is that the building has defects that can't be fixed, just from a liability point of view, they're trying to get it taken down as quickly as they can. Right. So if anything, you know, let's say there is a code-level earthquake in November, you know nobody can say, well, you knew of the danger and you did nothing. You know, they're trying to address it as quickly as they can. They're held up by Perini. Well, still they tried. Right.
3: I would love to see how many of the older resorts in Las Vegas, including some we talked about, owned by Caesars, how many of those resorts would stand up to the <laughs> code level. <laughs> Earthquake. I mean, I have a feeling it would be, uh, you know, pretty pretty scary uh, if you were staying in, you know, the Imperial Palace. I mean, some of those rooms that look you know, they were built by Ralph Engelstadt who was originally a contractor and he would he built some of those you know, some of the older towers pretty much, you know, with, you know, bailing wire. I mean it was I mean, he was a professional contractor, but he is they certainly were built, you know, by you know, like nineteen seventies and nineteen eighties quality construction right um, you have to wonder how how well those would survive i
0: have a feeling that well I bet, oh sorry go ahead Dave.
2: yeah a while ago i was talking to some professors who kind of know about that stuff they do earthquake whatever stuff and i'm like well so what do you think if there's a big earthquake in the strip and the guy said well i don't go into luxor if i can help it and i never ever let family members go into the stratosphere tower huh you know what's <laughs> That's all he about said, that, Dave? <laughs> yeah. Dave. In
3: 1999, I don't know if you remember, it was sort of the last big earthquake we had in Las Vegas. Um, I was, it was, uh, I want to say October '99. Mm-hmm. I had some buddies from Florida staying at Luxor, <laughs> and uh, we had been, uh, you know, maybe not painting the town red, but we had been having a good time, and um, I had just left. Um, you know those guys; they were going to crash, and I was going home. And as I worked my way through, down to the casino, um, I stopped, uh, as is my want, and uh, was going <laughs> to play a few hundred bucks at the dice table. And um, I was at a dice table in Luxor when um, that <laughs> earthquake hit, and you know everybody sort of ducked down, and even the dealers did, and they you know they took their eyes off the table, but um you know uh, i i certainly i kept my eyes on my on my check, check and and then when everyone realized it was over i thought this place must be the absolute worst place to be in
1: <laughs> i
3: mean i was like what the hell am i doing so i cashed out and got the hell out of there but it was like you know that's not the place to be. Your 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 source was absolutely
0: right. Was I, I, well. someone will have to check me on my history, but I, I have in my mind um, from you know the the spate of implosions through the nineties that the buildings were of such varying uh, such different degrees of construction quality. If I recall correctly. Hacienda's implosion didn't actually take down the building all the way, uh, and they had to do some demolition after the fact. And I think that was compared with the Dunes, where they said the building was in was so poorly constructed that it would have fallen over by itself almost. I mean, they were they were saying how bad how when they got in there to take it apart, they realized that it was barely standing up on its own. Uh, so I think you're right about the. Um, there's probably a lot of variation in quality of some of those older buildings, especially. Some that were built in that era. Um, it's, uh, it, I, you know, ho- hopefully it's a lot of the newer buildings that we don't have to worry about. But it is, it is pretty interesting. Um, before we're going long, but I want to, I want to do another topic. But before we move off the Harmon, um, what's gonna go in that spot? Is MGM gonna, in the future, build another hotel there? Or are they gonna expand the Crystals? Will they build a, an MGM's version of O'Shea's, like a mini casino? Uh, what, what should go there?
2: As far as what should go there, I would say something that ties into the pedestrian flow. You know, it will go in there. I don't know. They don't need any more retail, especially high end retail. They don't need. You know, maybe they would need a casino space. So maybe an you know, O'Shea's type thing would be good that far up. But I, I'd be hard pressed to find something that they could put in that wouldn't be a total style clash with what they have in City Center. That would actually be able to exploit that pedestrian market there.
0: Yeah,
1: a four level. Beer, garden, nightclub thing, just like what they're going to put in front of uh, Monte Carlo. They're going to put that out there, which will bring people in, walk in and around, and that kind of deal. And it won't cost that much money, and, and it'll rain money of, of booze. No, no opportunity of people winning money.
0: Well, why, you, think, you think It's shaped like Hellboy or a giant gargoyle. Yeah. <laughs> what, why do people need like the pools and the day clubs are so popular? And one of the questions I get more than any other question is, if I'm staying at X hotel, can I go to Y hotel's pool? What if you just built a freestanding pool day club nightclub complex? With there the amount are. of money that those yeah. things rake in, um, why not? And just make it add. You know, you buy your ticket or whatever, and you come in yeah. for the day, and you don't have to be a guest. It's just a sort of a separate amenity. Harman Beach Club? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I want to – They could have a stare down with, with Marquis. Yeah, see, exactly. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the Cosmopolitan a little bit before we close her up today. Um, they uh, they uh, had to announce some more numbers as part of their uh, part of their q process. Um you know, Jeff. You commented on these. I know, Dave. You did also, um, Jeff. I'll, I'll start with you. Uh, you know, we, we now have six months of operations at Cosmopolitan. Um, h- how do things look for them?
3: Well, when you look at what they, you know, they, they threw, you know, Deutsche Bank threw three point nine billion in, and they're losing, you know, a fairly decent chunk, less than a hundred million or this quarter, but I think more the prior quarter, um, and. You know, I mean, you know, that's sort of just adding to the tab. Not to mention, you know, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's a very expensive property for them. They are, they're kicking ass on food and beverage. Um, I'm not sure why, but they're kicking ass on um, the hotel side. Um, you know, they have not, um, you know, opened up their full uh, array of rooms, but, you know, they somehow are managing to keep those average daily rates amazingly high i think i think that there you know there's enough visitors who not only don't gamble but disdain gambling um and that love um and that love you know restaurants and sort of the pizzazz of that place that you know maybe maybe that market is big enough for them to do very well on the hotel side and the restaurant side Indefinitely. I mean, I may have underestimated how many people there are like that. I certainly, you know, work with a lot of folks in, when I was, you know, in the media, they, you know, those people just roll all over themselves talking about how much they love it, um, you know, that it's the greatest property ever, Las Vegas has needed these things all along. You know, no, they ha- no it hasn't, but it's probably <laughs> a good alternative for those kind of people and maybe as the demographics change, maybe you know more of that, more of that, those kind of things will appeal to people. Um, I still think that you know Win has the right idea in you know appealing to those people, you know appealing to the room people, the food and beverage people, but still, ha- but still bring in the gambler, the gamblers, and the gambling. Um, I still think that's the optimum method um, in terms of Cosmopolitan and Deutsche Bank. Um, you know, they, they they obviously are doing, they're making the best of the situation they have. I'm not sure that adding a high, a high limit room, um, you know, taking out their identity lounge is going to make much of a difference at all. Steve Wynn uh, just recently was telling me, uh, may, you know, maybe a month or two ago, talking about the investment it takes to run Baccarat. Now, you know, Cosmopolitan, maybe they're not going to do Baccarat that much. I mean, but Baccarat is incredibly expensive. You have to have people all around the world, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, people who schmooze and, you know, talk to people, persuade them to come in, handle all their details. You have to have, you know, you have to have jets or the, or the ability to bring people in um, at a moment's notice. You have to have incredible facilities. I don't think... Cosmopolitan has, they have some nice things, but they don't have villas. Um, you know, there's a whole lot of things that Cosmopolitan lacks in terms of being able to compete at the very high end of the Baccarat market. So if what they're really doing is building a high-limit area for big blackjack players, big roulette players, midi-box-type midi, ba- MIDI box, um, you know, type, type folks... You know that's not going to move the needle enough for them. They really need, you know, they they um, they need more. Um, they need time. Um, if Deutsche Bank's willing to absorb, you know, quarter after quarter of, you know, um, nine you know nine figure or eight figure losses, um, you know, maybe they can wait. And maybe over time they can add to their database and get more people in, but. You know I'm very skeptical of that. I think you know it's an unmitigated disaster in their casino. There's no way ar- no way around that. They obviously needed to be much more aggressive in how they um, attract people, comp people. They should have been buying databases from you know uh, from you know independent casino operators around the United States who aren't in Las Vegas, whether you know and making deals to get those customers here. Um, you know, Cosmo is trying to maximize room rates which gives them sort of you know that that um, you know p- makes people think God they have high room rates there they must be really good and there's a in a sense that's true but on the other hand they need to be able to use those rooms and use their restaurants to bring in the big gamblers it, it, it you know based on what I hear they're sort of reluctant to do that um, unless you're a proven cosmopolitan player um, I, I think that they have just screwed the gambling end up to no end. You've got to give them credit for what they've done at the other stuff. Uh, you know, my girlfriend, for her, she thinks it's the best place in town. Um, her family was just in town last weekend. They love the place. But, you know, they're not gamblers. Um, and I think there's a lot of people like that who aren't gamblers um, who, who like it. But there's, you know, if you want to be a successful casino in Las Vegas, it certainly helps to have a big group of gamblers coming in and throwing that money away.
0: Yeah. Um, Dave, you uh, looked at these numbers too. Anything else you want to add? Yeah,
2: you know, they need to about double what they're doing in the casino on a daily basis, so they need to really significantly ramp that up. I think that a lot of that would probably, they probably would want to build up more slot play. You know, that's a lot more reliable. As a standalone casino, they could really get hit hard by volatility if they do manage to get big box play. And let's say somebody takes them for five million in a weekend, which can happen, that will completely screw them up, you know, from a bit from, from a financial standpoint. So they might be better off in going after slot players. I'm a little surprised they haven't been more aggressive in that. As I said in my piece in Two Way Hard 3, their whole Unlock Monday's Locals campaign is focused on food and beverage, which is either a case of them, of them being smart and playing to their strengths and saying, hey, we know we do this well. We want to try to get even more people doing this or just not being bold enough to say, you know what, we need to grow our casino business. So I don't know, two different perspectives. I don't know which
0: one is going to be right. Chuck, uh, you know, you, you um, read the comments that people leave on Vegas Stripping and that people post in your forums. What do you think, uh, how do you think that um, your readers are reacting to Cosmo at six months in?
1: Well, uh, in terms of the hotel, um, the views from those rooms, I'm not going to say what Jeff thinks I'm going to say, uh, the views from those rooms are advertising themselves and they're selling rooms. When you walk out on those terraces, you know, your heart jumps into your throat. Everybody, anybody who even remotely loves this town, when you see that view, it's stunning. You know, I finally published uh, the the hotel review part of my second stay there, which was relatively scathing. And the last page of it was, you know, the, the obligatory room service photo and room service was delivered on the on the terrace and it seemed to just in the comments erase a lot of people's probably I imagine was built up identification of the anger that I had in that stay they saw the 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 beautiful food and the gorgeous view and sitting out there you know as the fountains go off with bellagio in your left ear and and saw the whole thing as, you know, a, a, I really want to do that too. So that I I think is why those hotel rooms are priced that way. That's why it's going to keep doing that. I call it the terrorist tax. Uh, (laughs) After people come once or twice, or, you know, I think that that might wear off uh, at first. It's, it's kind of a I wanna go see that, I gotta stay there, I gotta do it. After you do it once, you probably won't necessarily need to do it again because a lot of the people are are reporting still, you know, that it's customary for them to have to wait an hour and a half to get their room still. And it's so
0: expensive. Yeah. I mean they are their rates are still like way up there. You know, I mean they you look you check them compared to other places and you pay a real premium to stay there. Yeah. In the
3: quarter, it was 248 compared to Wynn's 240
0: yeah if i remember correctly <laughs> yeah. i mean
3: that's pretty impressive um yeah. you know I, how many of those rooms do not have um what portion of their rooms don't have a terrace
1: i'd say well if you look in the in the in the west tower i'm just totally spitballing here 30% I'm gonna, 40, I'm gonna, 40% 30%, i'm going to say more than that i'm going to say probably 60% don't have a tower?
0: A terrace? The yeah, terrace. we should count. That would be pretty easy to figure out, I think. Yeah. Um,
3: that and, and the higher that number, the more impressive that ADR is. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I can understand. You know, I remember when we were there for our uh, podcast the day after the thing opened. And, you know, I was thinking that, you know, um, for smokers, you know, what a, you know, that thing is like, you know, I got to think that a serious smoker is thinking I would pay 50 bucks a day just for that. Maybe a hundred bucks a day just for that. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, maybe I'm overestimating how much people want to smoke. Um, I don't and haven't. But, I you know, to me, um, you know, I, the, 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 the picture that Chuck showed of that table out on the terrace, I remember reading the comments. And you're right, Chuck. People were blown away, and how many people were saying, I want to do that. I, I see myself, yeah. you know, eating at one of those tables. And, you know, my reaction was, you know, you know uh, um, empathy was all that you had been through in a couple trips. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a nice picture, and it looks like a great place to, you know, have a, have yeah. a brunch. But, boy, oh, yeah. boy, people just are blown away with the idea of being able to eat outside mm. um, in the fresh air.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it's- the thing is, is until they get that service right, until they get their service on the money where people aren't staying, you know, people aren't having aggravation moments. You know, both times I've stayed at Cosmopolitan, Paul and I wanted to leave. was like i want to get out of here two times three times actually during that last trip i was ready to check out like right after i got there and they put us in that dumpy city room the dual queens with no terrace you know i booked there to stay just because specifically i wanted my wife to sit out on the terrace you know because i knew she'd love it and they dumped us in a room that didn't have a terrace. you know i was ready to book and move to aria instantly it's like screw this forget it i'm never coming back here again i had three tip specific moments during that trip where i hated that place
3: you know and i like one of the things that that a regular newspaper should be doing and i don't know you guys have some sources maybe who work in these places um at least a few of unland's um top level executives um, direct report types um, I believe the casino person, the technology person, and maybe the hotel person, they've all been um, purged, is that right?
1: Yeah, the uh, the head of the tech, the uh, head of housekeeping, and the VP of hotel operations have all been fired,
3: replaced. No casino or casino marketing
2: people either? I'm not sure. I not don't think so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure know? not. I'm pretty sure not. Boy, for cas- and that's, no.
3: boy, and that's and 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 that seems like the likeliest suspect but at some level at so, i mean at some point you know doesn't the shit roll uphill and uh and uh you know Unwin's on on untenable ground i mean he seems like a bright guy obviously you know uh, you know his background is hotel and all the you know the special uh you know they, they've done a great job on food and beverage i mean you have to give the guy credit there but um You know, at some point, um, if I'm Deutsche Bank, I'm thinking, maybe I can go get someone from, you know, a company that knows how to win win money from gamblers and bring somebody in with that kind of a background. The more typical kind of person who runs a Las Vegas resort, usually um, they're not, um, you know, getting... You know, Randy Morton with MGM Resorts, who's running Bellagio, is sort of the exception. The Four Seasons background... Um, worked as VP of hotel operations under under Bobby Baldwin at Bellagio, then ran Monte Carlo. There are people like Unwin who come from the hotel background who succeeded in the city, but the gambling side. And Unwin Unwin was not running Caesar's Palace. A lot of people write about him like, oh, you know, he wasn't the he wasn't the I think he was working for Gary Selzner. Um and you know, he was you know he was very important executive under him, maybe with a lot of important responsibilities. But, but, you know, I mean, and I know you guys have all talked to him personally and interviewed him. He seems like a very nice guy. But at some point, um, you've got to wonder how much patience Deutsche Bank has and whether they might seek some expertise. You know, Unwin's put those restaurants in place. He has the hotel rooms doing well. Maybe they need somebody else. Who can come in and energize the uh you know what traditionally has been a very important part of a property
1: Marilyn Wynn <laughs> oh,
0: <God. laughs> Bobby baldwin he uh, only now he has to, he has to supervise the Harmon demolition, so as the chief- yeah. <laughs> con- chief construction officer, he can be chief demolition officer you gotta know how to fold him <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> All right, I think that, that's a good way to close her up. Um, we didn't have time to get to the Star Trek convention stuff, but uh, Dave did write a piece about it. Um, that was in Vegas 7, is that right, Dave? Yes. That yes. is sort of on a, a, a sub, uh, a uh, sort of a, <clears throat> it's a, it's related to that. Um, so definitely yes. check that out if you haven't already. Um, it's it's a very fun, it's a fun piece and um, sounds like a good time. Uh, but yeah, we're going to wrap it up for today. Um, I'm gonna. We're gonna do our sure bets uh, segment. This is where we get to tell you guys, the audience, about something that we think you might enjoy. It may or may not be Las Vegas or casino related. Um, to something that we want to share. So uh, we'll go around the table. Uh, Jeff, do you have something for us today?
3: Yeah, I thought that. Um, and you know, it's been a. Uh, you know, I haven't been to the Cosmopolitan too many times, but you know, I was like uh, accompanying a group of. Um, six folks this um weekend. And uh one of the things I think a lot of the, the retail at Cosmopolitan looks looks pretty good. Um I'm not gonna say it's any better. Probably, you know, not more money making than some of the retail at other properties. But I think it does add to the the vibe of the place, which I like. But the one thing I thought was very cool, um, the P three studio um there where they this I think for a few months they've had this uh, um, these kid robot artists to paint these little uh, you know these little um, they, these little uh, I don't even know what to call them but these little plastic things that people buy and collect and they they do some funky painting on them and there was a whole bunch of like families of like little kids who like them and the artist was very. Very cool and uh, it's just something you don't see in another resort and you I, I, I just want to give credit to um, John Unwin and cosmopolitan um, for putting something like that in in um, a resort I think that you know anything that sort of you know that breaks out of the mold like that and uh, um, allows people to sort of you know interact with with artists, it's, it's just cool and funky, and uh, and, I, and I know that um, my uh, family members enjoyed it, so, uh, you know, more power to them, nice, nice job by putting that little studio in there.
0: Very good. Um, Mr. Chuck Monster, anything for us this week?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, leading up to uh, what we were just talking about, the uh, Star Trek convention, um, I was informed by uh, John and uh, Blackjacker when I was just chit-chatting with them a few weeks ago that Star Trek, the original series, is all on the Netflix, all the episodes, so I started watching it from the beginning. I, I own a nice chunk of them on DVD before they put them out in the nice little box. I was buying one at a clip, but... There's a couple in there that I haven't seen, and I've been watching them all from the beginning. And, you know, it it, it made me weep with joy and wonderment and fascination about <laughs> what a complete, brilliant piece of television Star Trek, the original series, still is 45 years later. Uh, it. Touched me when I was a kid in the 70s watching the reruns on Eleven Alive. And here I am, 40-something years old, and I'm still just blown away by it. Uh, the Menagerie is probably one of the greatest pieces of television ever put on. Uh, if you have the Netflix and you are a Star Trek fan, or you, maybe you've never seen it all, you know, I'd say start with The Menagerie or Spock's Brain or <laughs> space, space Seed for the first view of Khan and uh and work your way outwards from there because it is the greatest television ever and Star Trek on Netflix two and a half uh, uh, andorian whatever ear things up for me
0: that's a good one you know i I am sort of a self-described uh, nerd but I you know <laughs> for whatever reason I've never gotten into Star Trek and it wasn't because it was too I was too cool for it I just I don't know. It didn't happen. I mean, I was as a kid. I was a big fan of like the Star Wars movies, but I never got into watching Star Trek or TNG or any of the series. So since they have it on Netflix, I've been going back and starting to watch them and trying to uh, fill in my holes. It's not like I've never seen Star Trek, but I definitely don't have a holistic view of it like you know many many fans do. So I've been going in to fill in those holes, and it, it is a lot of fun. And uh, I, I I second your uh, recommendation. Um, Dr. Dave, got something for us?
2: Yeah, I do. Kind of building off the Trek theme here, I'm going to do one very quick suggestion, which is that if you want a window into Voyager, I'll give you two episodes to watch. The first one is Tinker Tenor Dr. Spy, which has the greatest opening of any Trek episode I've ever seen. You've just got to see the tease. It's awesome. And I'd follow that up with Counterpoint, which features, a uh, Good cast, some good character stuff from Captain Janeway, which leads me into my sure bet, which is Kate Mulgrew, who is the actress who plays played Captain Janeway, who is kind of the center of almost a cult of almost worshippers. I mean, if you at the convention, I saw Kate speak. And just the emotional reaction that a lot of her fans, mostly women, had to her, it was just incredible. You know, one woman came up and started crying before she could even ask a question because she was just so overcome with emotion being in the same room with Kate. And she eventually had her kind of give a benediction to the crowd by by saying, set a course for home, which were her final words in the finale and in the first episode. So to me, and talking to a lot of folks behind the scenes there, they just said she just has a presence unlike anyone else. You know, even Nimoy and Shatner and Stewart, they said, you know, Mogru has this presence. So if you haven't given Voyager a chance before, I would definitely suggest checking it out. And if you want to know some of my favorite episodes, you can email me and I'll be happy to share them. And I found that there's a Probably about 60% of the episodes are good, but there's a lot of duds, too. So yeah. you got to be careful with Voyager.
0: Good tip. All right. Um, I uh, am going to recommend a um, gadget, as I am want to do in my land of gadgets. Um, I'm recommending something called the Jawbone Jambox. Um, and if you uh, – Jawbone, you may know the company. They make those – uh, ridiculous Bluetooth headset things that um, those people like to make fun of. But they also make a product called the Jambox, which is basically a Bluetooth speaker system that's maybe the size of a couple of decks of cards. It's it's relatively small. It's very portable. Um, and it's for its size, it's actually pretty remarkable in terms of uh, the kind of sound it pumps out. And the nice thing is that it also doubles as a speakerphone. So if you want to use it to, um, I use it with my iPhone, but it'll work with anything that um, uses Bluetooth. Uh, it It's pretty remarkable for its size. It's a very, very cool, and it's a very well-made product. Um, it's, it's very, very polished. It is not cheap. Actually, when I first looked at it, and I saw it in the store, and I saw the price. I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> but um, I kind of uh, <laughs> held my nose and and got it, and I and I haven't regretted it. So, um, despite its asking price, I think it is pretty neat. And uh, if you need a little portable um, audio system, especially, it's it's pretty great that it's it's wireless, and uh, I really like it. So I'll put the link in there. People can check it out if they have a need for something like that. But I, I use it actually as a speakerphone quite a bit, um, just sitting on my desk. Anyway, that is it for this week, month section. Um, Thanks to everybody for being here. Uh, Let's go around the table so you can tell people where they can find you. Uh, Dr. Dave Schwartz, where can people find you?
2: All over the place, including gaming.unlv.edu, Two Way Hard 3, and my own little blog, dgschwartz.com.
0: Excellent. Mr. Chuck Monster, how about you?
2: You can
1: find me on the Las Vegas Sun and the Las Vegas Review Journal two months from now.
0: Yes. Your your byline (laughs) is local blogger. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Jeff Simpson, how about you?
3: Well, you can find me on Two Way Hard Three um, and on Twitter at uh, Simpson Las Vegas, where I will be... uh, riding herd on the Las Vegas Sun and the Las Vegas Review Journal.
0: You know, there was a a Twitter post while we were doing our show saying that the RJ was doing a bunch of layoffs. So I don't know what the story is there, but it sounds like uh, they might be having a a tough time, which I don't think would be a huge surprise to anybody. Um, All right, guys. Well, you can find me at writvegas.com. Thanks to everybody. Have a fantastic weekend.